Day one. Uh, yeah. Take Ish. 37. <laughs> We've kidding. been here since April 1st. <laughs> So, can I just say, you have a lot of speed bumps here. Yeah. There are a lot. There are something like 10. You come once a week, try living here. It's a delight. You've complained about it. My father has complained about it. Uh, Some guy from Kelly Towncar, who is the the company in North Woburn that provides transportation to and from the airport and other uh, various events, they have complained vociferously to my wife and I, and I say to all of you, what would you like me to do about it? You know what would be great, though, if this place had a second entrance? There is. There's a back entrance. Is there really a back entrance? There's no parking back there. Oh. The... Yeah, okay. to, to access the back entrance to park, you would have to park two buildings over and walk up a path. I only do that if I come back very late at night and there are no parking spaces in front of my building where you park today, which does happen more on weekends than weeknights, but it can happen. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to the maiden voyage of Wanted by None. We're so excited for you to join with us here. I'm Jeff Garoni, and I'm joined by my partner in pod, Sean Beecham. Hello. We're going to talk about some of our favorite things and and probably the most obvious for our first episode of the pod. Comic books, Marvel, Star Wars, DC, all that good stuff. Two out of three ain't bad, right? I don't want to pick on DC, but I get the sense in this podcast today and down the road, we probably will. So if if you're a DC truther, well, I don't know what to say, except, uh, I'd love to know what color the sky is in your world. Mm. My sense is probably some sort of washed out blue no, that Zack Snyder discovered uh, uh, last week. In the final cut, it's going to be it's going to be orange, but a washed out orange. God forbid we should have a verdant, bright orange. No, no, no. In a comic book movie, why should we have color? We can ask Zack Snyder later. I don't think Zack Snyder will be talking to us anytime soon. But hey. The way things are going, you never know. We will happily welcome Zack Snyder into the pod. My sense is, uh, and I say this respectfully, Zach, I don't know that there's much uh, else going on right now. So, yeah, so I thought, we thought in our discussions about what in the world we were going to talk about, I thought as we are approaching early April, and as anybody knows who lives in our part of the world here in greater Boston, you know spring has sprung because it was 40 and snowing this morning as I went outside to run my Saturday morning errands. Nothing says spring like a snow flurry, gray skies, and barely 40 degrees. So clearly spring has sprung. We're into the new warm season. And what better way to do that than talk about the three kingdoms, House Marvel, House Star Wars, and House DC, Three houses that I would say are not necessarily in the same neighborhood. That's probably fair. They are on different sides of the street. Which house would you like to go to first? Uh, It's it's moments like these. I wish I had one of those Jimmy Fallon randomator machines. I agree. Uh, 
Let's start with... Um, Do you want to start happy, sad, or in the middle? You know what? I want to end on a high note. You want to go out on the high note? I agree. So... So do you, want, do you want to do a, a slow crescendo, sure. if you will? Yeah. We'll start with DC. Yeah. Okay. All right. So. What the hell's going on with DC, Jeff? I think a team of psychologists trained by Sigmund Freud in Austria probably couldn't give you the answer. But here at Wanted by None, two people who have never been in the movie business, comic book business, or entertainment business at all, we are going to give you the answers, by God. So what's going on at DC? Well, a lot. And I'm not sure any of it is good. I, I think the first thing that has to be discussed about DC is what is DC's long-term future? As everybody knows, DC is, because it's 2018, we're all part of some giant conglomerate. DC is part of Time Warner. They are owned by Warner, the, essentially the parent company of Warner Brothers Movie Studio. They own uh, Turner Broadcast Network, so TBS, TNT, um, all that stuff. That particular uh, conglomerate is looking to be purchased by a bigger conglomerate, AT&T. And that case is currently in front of the Justice Department, or should I say, just to give everybody the idea of where we are politically unwanted by none, the Donald Trump Justice Department. And God knows how long that's going to take. There are talk that DC may not be part of that overall purchase, and that Warner Brothers DC, that the entertainment pieces of that company may be broken up before AT&T ever gets his hands on this company, if it ever does, because it could be in front of the Justice Department for a while because of the complex nature of cable companies. I think some people may know uh, Time Warner has their own cable company, Time Warner Cable, and AT&T owns DirecTV. So there is some antitrust issues that need to be worked out about one company having so much control over broadcast channels. But enough about that crap, because that's not what we're talking about here. So DC, well, I guess we need to set the parameters on the DC cinematic universe. For me, that cinematic universe begins with Man of Steel, followed up yeah. by... Batman vs. Superman, Dawn of Justice, which God knows I'm sure we'll talk about on this pod, not just now, but probably for a while. Uh, for better or worse. Yeah. Suicide Squad. Yeah, that empty pause, we'll just leave it and we'll just say we'll, Suicide Squad. We'll go with that, yeah. You all know what we're talking about. You're all hip. You understand what we're talking about. Wonder Woman, which was fantastic. Sean hasn't seen it yet. It hasn't come out for free on Black Friday or whatever nonsense you know what? he pulls. You know what? Actually, I have seen Wonder Woman. Did you now? I did uh, a couple weeks ago. Wonderful. Um, Wonderful. I know. I'm finally getting on board with Wonder Woman. And it's only a year late. Uh, yeah. I don't. Here's the thing. We're going to talk a lot about movies on this podcast. We sure are. And I don't see them in theaters. No, he doesn't. I will. Don't worry. I won't spoil it for you. This will be a spoiler free zone. Which but, I appreciate because I'm in that pool of yeah. people who don't want spoilers. It's not so much for you people. I love you people, our loyal listeners, all two of you. But it's more so my man here doesn't get spoiled because when it comes out for Black Friday at Target for six ninety nine in that giant Blu-ray bucket that they just put in the middle of the, the cornflake aisle or whatever, that's what my guy will spring into action and purchase it. But that, That's definitely my M.O. Yeah. Wonder Woman was fantastic. It it's was. the home run of the DC universe. It started to lose me around the third act, but... Uh, uh, well, the I'll, giant I'll CGI agree. monster being what it is. Well, yeah. 
you got you started to get that orange sky that we were talking about earlier. It's the Zack Snyder trademark. Nothing smells success like muted clothes. Great muted film tones. though. High expectations Wonderful. for uh, the sequel. And Gal Gadot, stunning. Absolutely. I mean, I can't a, picture anyone a, else in that a role. A great now. performance, but visually, she is a striking woman. She's stunning, uh, and an excellent actress. And and. Very, very well. And she's funny. She's very funny. She she's made a, she made a lot of the late night uh, yes. rounds when that movie was being Her promoted. Saturday Night Live was, was she's much hilarious. better than I thought it would be. Yeah. It, it's unfair to be that talented, that good looking, and that funny. And if I'm not mistaken, she's a legit ass kicker. Yes. Yes. I believe she was in the, in the Israeli military. That's incredible. Yeah. That, be, that being said. And then we would follow that up with Justice League. The product of two parents, neither of whom seem to talk to each other, neither of whom seem to want to own it, and um, it was what it was. Coming soon to the DC Cinematic Universe, this December, we will see the return of Aquaman. Jason Momoa will be taking the reins again after Justice League and after his two seconds in, one, in Batman vs. Superman. So Momoa will be back as Aquaman this December. Followed up shortly thereafter in April by Shazam, starring Zachary Levy as Shazam. Wonder Woman 2 will be joining screens in November of 2019. I mean, obviously the movie was a runaway success. A sequel was all but guaranteed. And then we get into what I call the release date limbo. Still being discussed are the following. Cyborg. The Green Lantern Corps, The Batman, directed by Matt Reeves, who most recently did Dawn and War for Planet of the Apes. This Batman movie may or may not include Ben Affleck. It depends on, apparently, the time of day and whenever you catch Ben Affleck as to whether he's coming back as Batman or not. It may be Jake Gyllenhaal. We simply don't know. Flashpoint, which when I did my research for this pod last week, that was the name of the movie. According to the writers of the movie, that now may not be the name of the movie. Is that real? That is real. How do you change the name to Flashpoint? How do you change it? You mean how do you change it from Flash to yeah. Flashpoint and now to whatever they decide? Yeah. I think it's the DC Universe. This is welcome to what happens here. Also in development, Suicide Squad 2, The New Gods which is going to be done by the director of Wrinkle in Time, Anna DuVernay, and also Nightwing, because, again, more Batman. I'm kind, of, I'm kind of looking forward to the Nightwing movie. I'm intrigued by the Nightwing I'm intrigued by the Nightwing movie. I think that has a lot of potential. So we're not even going to discuss... The uh, Martin Scorsese Joker movie? No. That's good. I'm okay the with that. The Joaquin Phoenix Joker movie, and it's unclear to me if it's the same movie or two different ones. Yeah, let's not... Or Justice League Dark, which I think they've talked about since whenever. Yeah, it's, it's tough. There's a lot there with DC. Not a lot of release dates past Wonder Woman 2. Well, I mean, they can't even, they can't get the Batman going. And well, that's, they, that's they arguably one of the biggest characters. They can't seem to get directors characters. for these films. You know, Joss Whedon had an idea for Batgirl that apparently was not film ready. So that movie's been abandoned into the island of misfit DC toys. Joss Whedon said he didn't have a story for Batgirl. Which is a That a is riot. ridiculous. Hasn't been a banner year for Joss Whedon. I guess that's true. But, but I mean... 
between Batgirl he has quite a track record between Batgirl not working, Justice League being what it was, and we'll get into that, and then uh, kind of coming off essentially a failure. I know, th- <laughs> I know, a movie that makes almost a billion dollars should not be considered a failure. Welcome to 2018. But. Avengers Age of Ultron for Disney was a failure. Uh, it did not make the money they wanted it to and may have been responsible for the idea that now Marvel Studios reports to Disney films and not Marvel proper. What that means, people, is that the comic book people who had been the Marvel film committee, Joe Casada, Brian Michael Bendis, who's actually now gone to DC, but there was a whole group, Dan Buckley, the publisher, there was a whole... Marvel committee that worked with Kevin Feige, the head of the major domo of Marvel Studios, that committee is now defunct for films. The committee is Kevin Feige. And it's because of Age of Ultron. Committee of one? Yeah, it's a committee of one, and it's because of Age of Ultron. Kevin Feige now reports to the head of Disney, uh, Disney Movie Studios, as does Kathleen Kennedy, the president of Lucasfilm, as does the folks who are in charge of Pixar. I want to say John Lasseter, but John Lasseter has been me too'd and is sitting at home. So whoever's in charge of Pixar now, I think it's Ed Catmull, who's ever in charge of Pixar now, along with Kathleen Kennedy, along with Kevin Feige, report to the head of Disney Films. The folks at Marvel Publishing have nothing to do with films anymore. And it is essentially because of Age of Ultron. Wow. Which again made a billion dollars, folks. Like this, it was not the runaway success the first film was, but it's one of the top. 15 or 20 grossing movies of all time. And yet, look what it look the damage that Joss Whedon has caused. This film made a billion dollars and then restructured an entire operation. Yeah. That's incredible. Well, in a few moments when we jump to Star Wars, we're going to talk about a film that made a billion dollars and has caused problems. So it's our old friend P. Diddy, great friend of the show. Friend more the, money, more show. problems. More money. Yeah. I would say DC's problem is not money. Based on their movie returns, I would say it's not money. Their problem is nobody wants to see these movies, except you and I. And even then, I'll, I will see them a year and a half later. And then even then, Sean's waiting for the Target discount bin on Black Friday. So I'm just saying, the math there. I'm all about the experience, but if I'm going to pay, what is it, $12 for one ticket? Yeah. Uh, I would rather pay... The six, seven dollars, nine dollars for the ultra four K version that I can watch in the comfort of my own home for the rest of eternity. Twenty eighteen, folks. Am I right? There are some films that I still film being a loose term. There are still movies that I would like to see on the big screen in a in a public setting with other like minded individuals. Marvel, Star Wars, and DC tend to be those films. It is it is an experience. I don't want to see the post for ten bucks at the Burlington Cinema down the street. But in two weeks, I'm going to see Infinity War, and I'm very excited for that. So, But do I want to see the post? Yes, and I will when it comes on uh, on demand, because like the rest of America, I find Tom Hanks charming. Uh, yes, absolutely. And I love Steven Spielberg, because Steven Spielberg owns my childhood. I believe I give him one-tenth of royalties from my childhood, because so many of his movies are my childhood, whether it was E.T., Jurassic Park, or Razor the Lost Ark. I still watch those movies on occasion. I do too. I watched Jurassic Park the other day, actually. I love Jurassic Park. I'm very excited for Jurassic Park, uh, Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. Oh, yeah. Which comes out this June. If for no other reason, then it brings us the return of Ian Malcolm. Jeff Goldblum, if you're listening. <laughs> yes, <laughs> Jeff Goldblum is not listening. But, but you quite know right, what, Sean? Right. You know what, Sean? It could. You know why? Because life uh, finds a way. So 
DC, and I think this tells everything you need to know about DC is that we said we're going to talk about DC. We touched it, and then we've talked about Jeff Goldblum and Jurassic Park and Steven Spielberg. We've already moved on. From we've DC. moved on, which I think is another great way of describing what Warner Brothers is doing, which is just moving on. I think their world changed drastically in 2008. They had Dark Knight, which was a huge hit critically. Everybody, it's a, and it's one of the great movies of all time. Still one of my favorite movies of all time. Yeah. And I'm, you know, we'll talk Heath Ledger and all that to live long day. But that same summer, Iron Man came out. Womp womp. Yeah. And it created a cinematic universe. Here we go. And I think anybody who watches films will tell you as much as they love the Nolan Batman films, they are not universe builders. <laughs> they are not. They were, I don't think they were supposed to be, they were, they? No, it was never intended to build a comic book universe. It was intended to tell a Batman story. That's, that's, a, that's a closed universe. And it was intended to tell Chris Nolan's Batman story, which apparently had a beginning, a middle, and an end. This is what makes Chris Nolan so great, too. Uh, Chris Nolan, friend of the show. Um, <laughs> Chris Nolan, if you're listening, anytime. You know, Kevin Smith talks about... Kevin Smith talks about how, uh, you know, going to film school and making, making movies and... Uh, whatnot, but then he made one movie and he's kind of stuck with that. And that, that has sort of followed his, uh, his legacy for the better part of two decades. Chris Nolan makes a film and then he's on to the next thing. And it's a totally different thing. He is always evolving and always looking for the next story. He's not trying to remake the same movie over and over. Love Kevin Smith, friend of the show, but, um, (laughs) fellow New Jersey native. I think we should make it clear. Kevin Smith is not a friend of the show. I feel like he would be. Probably. He seems he like a decent guy. probably we could get. Chris Nolan, not a chance. Uh, but I agree with you. He makes every movie he makes. I mean, I know he made three Batman films, so we'll ignore that. But we'll just lump the Batman films together as the, the Nolan Batman films. Sure. If you look what he made around it, before or after, Memento, Insomnia, uh, and then to do, in, in the middle of Batman films, to do Inception... Another one of my all-time favorite movies. Which is movies. an incredible movie, and its closing sequence is Chris Nolan's audition to eventually do a James Bond movie, because if he didn't watch On Her Majesty's Secret Service as a child, I'd be stunned. And those of you who've seen the last third of Inception when they're in the ski resort, that is a James Bond movie, people. 100%. If you've never seen a James Bond movie, if you've paid any attention at all to James Bond in your lifetime, and you've seen Inception, you know... Inception at the end. That's a James Bond film. He then did essentially his Kubrick, his best Kubrick impression for Interstellar with another, I'm sure, recurring theme on this podcast, Sean and myself's love of Matthew McConaughey. I would put him in anything. I As would I, not and only, I would watch him in anything. Not only because he's dashing yes. and uh, charismatic, but well, I think he's he, the actor of our generation. He has incredible range. Yes, 100%. To go from romantic comedies to... Wolf of Wall Street and Mud and all the stuff that he did and Dallas Buyers Club. Yeah, good luck. So, and Nolan has tremendous range too. He just did Dunkirk, which got nominated for a lot of Oscars, won a few technical. But the Nolan Batman films were not world builders, nor did they, nor were they intended to be because the notion in 2005 when Batman Begins came out that there would be a comic cinematic universe was ridiculous. It, It was not anything that was thought about. So their world changed in 08. They had a hit movie, 
but Marvel was working on 20 hit films. And this is probably a theme we'll touch on towards the end when we get to Marvel is people, some people play chess, other people play checkers. Oh, yeah. And it would seem to be that Marvel was playing the long game. DC was playing the very short game. Now they are caught, DC. They are stuck, and they can't hurry their way out of this. I think the biggest problem with DC has been time. They have not tried to take the time to build a universe properly. It was the best way I could describe it. Great friend of the show, Kevin Smith, basically said, they're vomiting out a universe. Oh, you like Guardians of the Galaxy? We'll do Green Lantern Corps, because that's weird, too. It's weird and in space. That's not how this works. Well, they're si- they, I almost can't expect them to sit back and watch Marvel take all of our money. Marvel, Disney. What would you have described has happened over the last? That is exactly what has happened, right? Um, So I, yeah, I don't really know what the the alternative for DC is other than vomiting out a universe. Yeah, well, I think the alternative also is stop, which I I don't know that they want to do. Which again, they can't just sit back and watch Marvel take everything. And 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 in the world we live in, which and Sean and I talk about this often off air, and we will, I'm sure, bring it to the air now. We live in the intellectual property world. We live in an IP universe. Everything is about universes and shared space and how can they take it from film or TV and produce it into a billion different ways, which is why Dis- which is what makes Disney so great. Great being an operative term. What makes Disney so big and what makes them so uh, monolithic is just how many ways they can put their stuff in front of you. The TV network they own, the cable network they own, the soon-to-be streaming over-the-top service that they're going to own, the myriad of theme parks in this country and around the world. Again, a theme that I'm sure we'll be touching when we move down the street to Star Wars and to Marvel, both of whom are owned by the Walt Disney Company. What makes Disney so special at this time is how many different ways Disney can put intellectual property in front of your face. And if you have children, you all know what I'm talking about. Also, I speak somebody who loves Disney. I love going to Disney World. I'll be in Disneyland in a couple weeks. I can't wait. I love Disney. I'm an unabashed Disney lover. I'm not going to bash Disney on this podcast. It's you know, not happening. Sean will. I, I, won't. I grew up with Disney, like most, but I never considered myself a Disney person until I actually thought about how ubiquitous they are. Because you're right. And you don't even have kids yet. And I don't even have kids yet. Wait till he has children. They've got me. They've yeah, got they're me. going to get you and your kids. They figured out a way to get me. And have it's a through Marvel. Day. It's through Star Wars. And then when I have kids, it's going to be... There's no way out. It's going to be homegrown. Yeah. yeah. There's no way out. Disney friend of the pod? Uh, they own this pod eventually. <laughs> <laughs> Disney owns this pod. I think Disney is in this position that they can put their IP in front of your face in a million different ways. Right now, Warner Brothers in DC is not that. As funny as that is, Warner Brothers owns a TV network. They have plenty of places to distribute IP, but they don't have IP distribution at the level that Disney does or Comcast Universal does, NBC Comcast Universal. So, uh, I guess we could we could break this up into we've we've now touched on DC sure have um, but the the next two out of the three big ones are Disney essentially yep uh, so let's break down Disney let's do it so let's start in a galaxy far far away which is Lucasfilm Star Wars they this December released Star Wars The Last Jedi Episode Eight if you're counting in your numbered Skywalker trilogies. 
directed by Ryan Johnson. I hate to say controversial, but I guess that's how we're going to go with it now. Uh, it's caused a bit of uproar in all segments of the populace that deals with entertainment, both at Disney, at Lucasfilm, on social media. So what they have coming up, well, it's short. In just a few short weeks here, May 25th, Solo, a Star Wars story, the long-awaited, much-anticipated and talked-about Han Solo solo film. I know that sounds redundant, folks. I'm sorry. So that will be joining us in theaters May 25th, directed by Ron Howard, who is the second director. They originally had hired Phil Miller and Chris Lord of the Lego movie and co-creators of Last Man on Earth with Will Forte on the Fox Network. They were the original directors. They were fired midway, and they brought in Ron Howard to salvage, I guess. That's the best way to describe it, is a salvage operation. This isn't the first time that these no. uh, Star Wars solo films no. uh, have had trouble Yes, in the writing department. I see you've read the article about Tony Gilroy, who was brought on to reshoot Rogue One who said the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard in the article. And I don't want to get on a long rant about Tony Gilroy because I love Michael Clayton and a lot of other things that he's done. And Rogue One was great. Rogue One was great. But the notion that Lucasfilm could have gone into shooting Rogue One and not know that everybody in that movie needed to die, spoiler alert, is ludicrous to me. And I, I'm not blaming Tony Gilroy. I'm sure that's what happened. And it boggles my mind. And it makes me wonder what in the hell is going on because how you could not know that everybody has to die at the end of that movie. There's no other way to tell that story. It's a connective tissue to episode four. I ask all of you, who amongst the Rogue One cast is alive and well in episode four? No one. Who is talked about in episode four? No one. Those people are dead. They are gone. So the notion that Tony Gilroy's reshoot was they essentially didn't have an end to the movie where everybody died and they needed to is dumb. That That's is, my Tony that Gilroy rant. It's dumb. So the solo films, again, we're going to just keep doing this pun. The, the anthology Star Wars films seem to be troubled. Star Wars stories. The Star Wars story series does seem to, the story of those films seems to be troubled production, whether it's directors being fired bad casting reshoots, which by the way, I know the nerds amongst us are going to say reshoots are part of every film. Yes. hundred percent. I have no doubt they reshot some of infinity war and it's going to make a bajillion dollars There's because things don't work. You got to change different angles. I get that. I hundred percent get that. It just seems like for whatever reason, rogue one went through a lot of work. And by the way, Rogue One was an excellent movie and was better than probably it should have been. But That was, it, that was it, a great movie. I mean, not just uh, no. as a Star Wars fan. No, it's a good movie. It's a good movie. Yeah, it's a great interwar war type film. It's easy to follow. It's funny. Yes. Funnier than on the second watch through funny. is a lot funnier than the first. Yeah, and it, it connects wonderfully to episode four and you get the sense of how a rebellion could have started. Yeah, It's yeah. a direct lead Wonderful. in and if you hadn't seen episode four and started with Rogue One you're then watching episode four. I would also dare say that uh, if that were what the prequels were, we all would have been happier. Absolutely. Yeah. If that those was the, the prequels, we all would have, we all would have gone on our merry way. And those are the prequels we, we wanted. Yeah. And was not the prequels we got. Instead, we got taxation routes and the trade federation and, and everyone has now fallen asleep as have I. So yeah. 
So that's Solo, a Star Wars story, coming to you May 25th, starring an unknown as Han Solo and Donald Glover from Atlanta as young Lando Calrissian. So look for that in a theater near you in just a few weeks in May. Following that, December of 2019, Episode 9. Uh, there's no title yet, so we're going to refer to it as Episode 9. Until it is, as a joke, I've dubbed it Star Wars Episode 9, J.J. Abrams Turns Out the Lights. Ah, uh, yeah. This is the last one of this the Star Wars films. This is the end of Skywalker. the numbered Star Wars films as you know it. My assumption is that everything comes to an end. But they have already announced a whole new trilogy in a different corner well, of the Star Wars universe. Well, they've announced two different trilogies, which mm. have no release dates. One is directed by Ryan Johnson and conceived by Ryan Johnson. Uh, they have not announced when. Uh, my assumption is the production will begin after episode nine is finished or well on its way because one film at a time. Um, and Ryan Johnson is going to at least direct the first film, whether he returns for the other parts is still to be determined, but he is going to conceive the thing. The other thing they announced that I think is equally as interesting is, uh, an another film series. And that is going to be created by David Benioff and DB Weiss. And you folks, who love Game of Thrones out there and wanted by Nunland, you know Benioff and Weiss as the driving creative force behind the mega HBO hit Game of Thrones, whose last season will begin on HBO next spring. Have so you watched Game doing, of Thrones, Jeff? I watched... Uh, see, this is where now we're going to lose every listener. I know. Is that I'm going to say, no, I do not watch Game of Thrones. I don't watch Game of Thrones either. No. Respect to what it is. Respect to Benioff and Weiss for what they've created to have HBO open up their purse strings and make them pay so the show looks good on screen, kudos to Benioff and Weiss. Not for me. Now let's do that in the Star Wars universe, and then we'll Why talk. Not? Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I can't think of a hiring that would make more sense if you're going to create a new film series and you're, you're Kathy Kennedy and you're Bob Iger and you're looking around for Star Wars future talent... I can't think of two people better probably than Benny Offenweiss. I mean, I understand Brian Johnson got the parting gift on the way out, which was uh, the film series after doing Last Jedi because they were clearly very happy. I know for a fact that they wanted Ryan Johnson to come back for episode nine. It was, I'll put it this way. He was on the list. The episode nine list was JJ and Ryan Johnson. I think if Ryan Johnson had expressed a desire to return, they would have let him. But I think, you know, he needed a break because it takes a while to make these films. So you think that was that was his call? Ryan yes. Johnson's call? Yes, 100%. I okay. think if Ryan Johnson had gone to them and said, I know you lost Colin Trevorrow. Uh, I'd love to come back for nine to finish what I started in eight. I don't think they would have stood in his way. Having said that, I don't think he wanted to. I think that was a lot of work. I think he needs a break. I think he needs a palate cleanser to move on to something else before he jumps into Star Wars again. And once that decision is made, the only choice for Episode Nine was J.J. Do you know if Ryan Johnson is doing anything between now Unclear and right now. Episode yeah. Nine? You know Ryan Johnson because you are a Breaking Bad fan. I do love he Breaking He directed Bad. Ozymandias. One of the quintessential Breaking Bad episodes. Yeah, I don't think that's an accent. So a lot of that is future. That's your Star Wars future. I should also add in, even though it's not movie, coming to Disneyland and Disney World at the end of 2019 is Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, 
their theme park expansion. This thing's going to be massive. It's, it's certainly in Florida. It's, I believe, 11 acres of Disney's Hollywood Studios. Wow. Yeah. That's well, remember, crazy. in Disney World, they have a lot of land. Land is not a problem in in South in Central Florida. They kind of have carte blanche to do whatever they want. Well, yeah, on they that own land. that land, and they are in charge of that land. They can do pretty much whatever they want. Anaheim is a different story, but sure, uh, I'm told Anaheim will open first, and then okay. Central Florida to follow. Because in Central Florida, they had to do some uh, infrastructure, more parking, more access, because the park that they are building. So for the Disney people out there, you know, Disney Hollywood Studios, it's a small park. It was conceived originally as a half a day park, not a full day park. They have since changed that tune. Uh, so they need to do some things like access and roads and parking, which all of which they are working on right now. So Galaxy's Edge is a part of the story, too, because they are trying to uh, accentuate the intellectual property of Star Wars. And they are trying to put it in front of you in every way possible. They are going to be part of the streaming service. It's it's just, it's going to be ubiquitous and everywhere. So that's the future. The present is The Last Jedi, which I think Sean and I both loved. I know I did. Absolutely. I loved it. I thought it was fantastic. I thought it was everything that that movie needed to be right now. Um, I think that series desperately needs an injection of youthful energy. Uh, I think it needs a an injection of now. I think it needs to start reflecting the 21st century and not the 20th. And the other thing I think people need to understand is the first six films of this nerftology was conceived by one man. It right. was George. It was George's vision. This particular back end of the trilogy here, it was never designed to be one person. That J.J. is doing two out of three is accidental. J.J. never intended to return. Never. So you're going to get slightly different visions from seven to eight. Well, from seven to eight. Nine is just J.J. coming back for seconds. But I thought Ryan Johnson injected a lot of needed things into the Star Wars franchise. Another thing I thought it desperately needed to do was, and I love The Force Awakens, by the way. Don't. Don't mistake this. I loved The Force Awakens. That's another movie that was everything it needed to be yes. at that moment. However, it left a lot of unanswered questions, or some might say dangling participles. Hanging chads, if yeah, you will. Yeah, and they needed to be rectified. And I appreciate that Ryan Johnson took the time to figure out what he wanted to deal with and what he didn't want to deal with. Uh, I think it's no accident, obviously, the elephant in the room was Luke Skywalker. He clearly was obviously going to show up in eight and things needed to be laid out as to why he had taken himself off the chessboard uh, and where he was. So they dealt with that. And that was always going to be a huge part of the film. I, I will tell you, and if my wife were here, she would back me up. When we saw Force Awakens together, I distinctly remember saying to her, God, I hope Ray is not a Skywalker child. Yeah. And that I, would be the obvious And I choice, hope right? that she is not the child of Obi-Wan Kenobi or the grandchild or whatever. I wanted her to be anything but because for the love of God, it's the, the bloodline thing has got to go. It's, that's not how life works. And that's one of the uh, brilliant things that Ryan Johnson did It's in one the of Last the delightful Jedi. things he did in uh, Last Jedi. Spoiler alert. The force is for everyone. Yeah. Your parents are nobodies. They died in a pauper's grave for drinking money. Adam Driver in that movie is spectacular. Adam Can we Driver, just, friend we'll of the just show. take a minute and talk about Adam Driver. S from seven to eight, Leaps what a difference. And bounds. 
Another right call by Ryan Johnson. Yes. A real person needs to be a villain in these films. Yeah. Sorry, Snoke. And I know I'm going to contradict myself in a minute when we talk about Marvel's Infinity War, which is going to feature a CGI villain. They've done it before. Age of Ultron made a billion dollars. Uh, but failed and destroyed a company. <laughs> but, but as <laughs> and, we mentioned, and, failed. And wrecked, uh, and wrecked a division. <laughs> Uh, but I would say the genius of Ryan Johnson is he figured out that Kylo Ren is the villain. And he should have been the whole time. Now, could J.J. Abrams undo all that in episode nine? Sure. Please don't. Could he make, could he redeem Kylo Ren and bring back Ben Solo? Yes. Please don't. I'm going to ask you not to, politely. J.J. Abrams, friend of the show. I'm going to ask you politely not to. Please don't do that. I think it's a very dumb idea. And it's been done enough. He's a bad guy. He killed his father with no... I mean, I know they talk about him feeling grief. He seemed at peace when he offed Harrison Ford. He seemed quite content with killing Han Solo for reasons that we still don't understand. Because apparently Han Solo was a lousy parent. I suppose we well. all... I suppose we all should figure that out based on his lifestyle, but Again, we, we only know what one person's telling us. Uh, so I would beg J.J. Abrams not to undo that. I, I, I think Kylo Ren is the villain of this piece. He very distinctly decides to be the bad guy towards the end of Last Jedi. And why undo that? The other thing I'm going to ask that they not undo, Ray's parents should be dead on Jakku in a pauper's grave, as Kylo Ren says. Yes. I agree with Ryan Johnson's reasoning 110%. That is the hardest thing for her to hear at that moment. The easiest yes. thing to hear at that moment is you are Obi-Wan Kenobi's grandchild. By the way, do we even know if she knows who Obi-Wan Kenobi is? No, I don't know. Probably not, no. Well, let's pretend that she's Luke Skywalker's niece. That would be the easiest thing to hear, and that would make the most sense to her. The hardest thing to hear is that they were nobody, that they didn't love her. I mean, from the from the very first moment we've met her she was searching for purpose yeah her purpose is to be a jedi the last jedi yeah i guess <laughs> we'll except go for, with that except for that little kid at the end which was also a fantastic oh movie. yeah that was nice that was a nice uh, touch i just there's very few things in that movie that i quibble with even mary poppins which everybody knows what mary poppins is which is leia flying through space when she's been blown out of the ship look i don't have a problem with that guys i really don't nor did I want her to die right in that moment. You know, talking about Leia real quick, Mark Hamill has recently talked about George Lucas's vision for a future trilogy of Star yeah, Wars. I've heard this as well. Um, I think he, I think he said, if I'm not mistaken, that you know, in George's vision, Luke essentially trains Leia. So, is it inconceivable that she? has and we all know she's force sensitive she is force sensitive. she is akin to the most famous hero of our time yes apparently lebron james he's the lebron james he's of the galaxy <laughs> uh yeah i've heard this story too and, and then he said uh luke luke ends up dying in george lucas's vision anyway yeah here's what i would say about that Mar I would far be it for me to criticize Mark Hamill about what George Lucas does and doesn't do. Mark Hamill, friend of the show. I would simply point out that there's an internet article where it shows you all of the times George Lucas contradicts himself about the Star Wars saga. Well, where he says, this is going to happen in an episode, and then he changes his mind. To tie it into this weekend's happenings, he changes his mind about as many times as Vince McMahon does. George's vision is what it is. George does not own this vision anymore. George Lucas wanted to retire he sold 
Star Wars to the Disney company. And by the way, he got $3 billion worth of Disney stock. He is now the second or third highest stockholder in the Walt, the Walt Disney Company. I think he's behind the Steve Jobs Family Trust as as being the second largest Disney shareholder. George Lucas did not walk away buried on a pauper's grave in Jakku. George <laughs> Lucas is doing quite fine. He understood that when he sold to Disney, they could do whatever they wanted with it. And clearly they threw the vision out because I know for a fact that George commissioned a screenwriter by the name of Michael Arndt. Those of you who have ever seen Toy Story 3 know who Michael Arndt is. I believe he also wrote Little Miss Sunshine. Uh, he wrote a draft of what became Force Awakens. And when they hired J.J., J.J. promptly dismissed that vision. Michael Arndt got a story credit, but if you ever watch the credits to Force Awakens, J.J. and Lawrence Kasdan wrote The Force Awakens. Lawrence Kasdan, great friend of the show, wrote the screenplay to Raiders of the Lost Ark. He did not create Indiana Jones. George Lucas and Steven Spielberg did, but he birthed Indiana Jones. Anything that is great dialogue-wise in Raiders of the Lost Ark, that is Lawrence Kasdan. Lawrence Kasdan also wrote the screenplay to Empire Strikes Back and The Return of the Jedi. So anything that's great about Han Solo, dialogue-wise, probably Larry Kasdan. Larry Kasdan also wrote Solo, A Star Wars Story with his son. Also, rumor has it one of the reasons Phil Miller and Chris Lord got fired was they were straying from Larry Kasdan's script. And it came down to Kasdan wanted them gone, and Kathy Kennedy agreed with the guy who wrote Raiders of the Lost Ark. Again, can't say I disagree there. Lawrence Kasdan, great friend of the show. Would love to talk to you about Raiders of the Lost Ark, about sitting in a room with George and Steven, coming up with the screenplay to... Raiders of the Lost Ark, one of my favorite films of all time, and my belief, one of the great films of all time. And certainly the film that made Harrison Ford a big giant star. I know everybody's going to say Star Wars. Nay, nay. It was Raiders of the Lost Ark. He is a yep, leading man. Absolutely. He is a leading man, truly, in Raiders of the Lost Ark. And probably his finest character is Indiana Jones. And it's why he comes back time and time again. That and 70 bajillion dollars probably are reasons why Harrison comes back for, for Indiana Jones. Indiana Jones 5 coming to you in July of 2020. I'm sure we'll talk about it as it gets closer. We'll do an Indiana Jones episode, I'm sure, to talk about all things Dr. Jones. So that Star Wars, Last Jedi, we liked it. Apparently, we are alone in social media in that. Uh, there seemed to be a lot of, uh, there's a lot the, of criticism as the Germans would say, Sturmendrang about this film, a lot of criticism about this is not my Luke Skywalker. Uh, this is not the franchise I know. Why is it fast and the furious X-wing drift? That which was, was awesome, which was friggin' awesome. And anybody who says it's not awesome, please get a life. It's fantastic. It's not 1977. The ships should move. They should move. And why Why not show us something that we haven't seen before in an X-Wing? And y'all want to talk about the history of the franchise. Star Wars invented modern special effects. So why not come up with something new? The spaceship drifts. Everybody get, get over it. Move along. Two minutes out of the movie. Really? Come on. Nobody liked Mary Poppins. I get it. It's fine. The, the thing I would say is this movie is desperately needed because these films are clearly... this. This genre is going to go on. Star Wars is not going to end when J.J. Uh, turns out the lights next December. This film is going to move. These film series are going to move on. And if they're going to move on, 
then the folks like Sean and myself who have been lifelong fans, they definitely want us on the train, but the train is not going to wait for us. They want young people. These films have got to start relating to the young people. I know I've, I've dated myself, the young people, <laughs> the um, young ones. but the, the kids who are coming up behind us, my niece, my nephew, the kids who are buying the t-shirts who are going to the theme parks. These are the future fans. These films have got to speak to them. I'm sure they've seen the original trilogy and I'm sure they love it because why not? It's lovable. But eventually the movies have got to start reflecting their sensibilities and what they want to see. And I think this movie does a lot of that. And I think it rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. And to those people, I would say, well, too bad. The film has got to, these films are going to go on beyond you. You don't own them. You're a fan. And this is my personal take on it too. I'm a fan. I've given these guys millions. Vince McMahon, George Lucas, Steven Spielberg, Marvel, you name it. You know what they owed me? Return on that investment. And that moment. They owed, in my, in my feeling, they owed me a return on that movie ticket, on that comic book, on that wrestling event, on that whatever, that theme park experience. And if I feel like I got my money's worth, that's the end of the transaction. They don't owe me anything beyond that. And to not my Luke Skywalker. It's been 30 years, folks. I don't know what my Luke Skywalker is at this point. Okay? Haven't seen the guy in 35 years. Real time. Movie time. Who knows? Haven't seen this guy in 35 years. In 30 years, a lot can happen. In 30 minutes, a lot can happen. And what... You know, the hero journey, if he just comes back and eliminates everyone and just decimates everything, that's not a movie. That's a wish fulfillment. That's not inspirational. That's fanfare. I mean, that's fan service at its worst. There's nowhere to go from there. I am not interested in that film. I can't begin to tell you how disinterested yeah, I am. Yeah, it would be cool to see visually and it would give you that warm, fuzzy feeling when it happens. Yeah, but, but where do you go from there? It's Wonder Bread. It is of no nutritional value. It's flaf- It's fluffy, it's light, it tastes good, but it's no nutritional value. I think that's Wonder Bread. I think we all love Wonder Bread when we were little, but we now know it, it offers you nothing except the yeah. warm and fuzzies. I'm about that fiber. I think you got to have both. I think sometimes you have to eat your vegetables. And this movie did a lot of legwork. And I think the reason why it wasn't easy to a lot of people is because uh, it's doing legwork that other films didn't do because the franchise was dormant for so long. And Force Awakens was about, I think in JJ's mind, we need to remind people of what was great about Star Wars because the last Star Wars taste in their mouths was the prequels, which nobody wanted. I shouldn't say nobody wanted. People wanted, then got and said, shit, (laughs) we don't want this at all. So J.J. felt he needed to do some uh, rebranding of, this is fun. This is exciting. This is Star Wars. It's the Millennium Falcon. It's Han Solo. It's Chewbacca. It's lightsabers. And he did that really well in Force Awakens. But Ryan Johnson needed you to eat. Ryan Johnson needed to give you broccoli. The other thing that's great about uh, what J.J. Abrams did with uh, The Force Awakens, not only did he remind everyone how fun and exciting Star Wars could be, he introduced it, reintroduced it uh, to a whole new generation of people who, like you said earlier, 
need to carry the franchise forward. I mean, it, yes, it's a retelling. What Sean of, is saying, I'm right. So that's essentially what I'm write saying. Write this day down in history because it will never happen again. I mean, it, it is a lot of people. One of the biggest criticisms that people have about The Force Awakens is that it was a retelling of Episode Four, A New Hope. Sorta. Did we all love A New Hope? Yes. So what's the problem? Uh, this is a new hope for a new a Dopes. new generation. Yeah, hundred percent. And I have no idea what he's going to do in nine. I would argue that after episode eight, he can do anything he wants. He's not constrained by some of those things. The answers have already been given, right? Kylo Ren's the bad guy. Luke is dead. He's going to have to write Carrie Fisher out. I'm sorry, folks. Meryl Streep is not going to play Princess Leia in episode nine. Okay. Please don't sign that petition. This is starting to get ridiculous now. He is going to write Leia out of the movie. Going to have to. It's about, look, look, folks, this trilogy here, it's not about them, meaning Solo, Skywalker, and Leia. It is about Rey, it's about Poe, and it's about Finn, and it's about BB-8 and Rose. It is not the Luke Skywalker sequel. He is a player. He has to be. Had to be in eight, but this is not about them. And that is something that I think, well, I shouldn't say that. I, I, I get the sense that all three might have understood that, uh, begrudgingly, perhaps. Maybe not Harrison Ford, <laughs> for a variety of reasons, not the least of which is he was uh, the highest paid actor by a mile on episode seven. Should he have been? Of course. He should have been the highest paid cast member on that on that movie. He's the, to use the Family Guy joke, he's the only one who got a career that yeah, you know of. That. I mean, God, respect Mark Hamill for doing all the uh, animated work. Mark Hamill's a wonderful man. He really is. And he's done some great work in animated voiceovers. He is to a lot of people the Joker, not Heath Ledger, Myself not Jack included, Nicholson. Yeah. He's the Joker to some people. Um and his work on other things. But let's get it straight. Harrison Ford's movies have made billions of dollars, and not just Star Wars, not just Indiana Jones, Air Force One, The Fugitive, Patriot, the Tom Clancy films he was in. His films make money when he's in the right role. His films make money. Uh, he was in Witness. He was nominated for an Oscar. He was robbed. Uh, okay. He was. Here's the question, Sean. Who won the Oscar the year that Harrison Ford was nominated for Witness. I do not know. Right. That says everything you need to know about what happened. We are still talking about... Funny story. It was William Hurt for Kiss of the Spider Woman. Now, mm. has anybody out there seen Kiss of the Spider Woman? If so, email us and we'll talk about it. I I'll ha tell you. For the record, I have not. So, we're still talking about Harrison Ford today. Ain't nobody talking about Kiss of the Spider Woman. I win again. Anyway. These three people had to get out of the way. Love them all. Respect them all. Thank them for the childhood that they had. But Luke Skywalker, General Leia, and, Harris, and Han Solo had to get out of the way. The films are not about them. They are part of the tapestry of the film. But if these films, again, are going to go anywhere, we need some new people. Let me pose a crazy question for you. Go right ahead. Because we, I uh, love crazy questions. We mentioned how Joss Whedon couldn't get a... Uh, a Batgirl movie. Nope. Together. Um, after, and I'm kind of segueing into Marvel here, after um, Infinity War, what does the Marvel Universe look like? Do we get a, can we get a Spider-Woman movie? 
And yes, I'm using Kiss of the Spider Woman as my segue. Clever. That, that my friend, that's a major media market move right there. Sean Beecham, major media market player. The last thing I want to say about Star Wars is I think Disney needs to calm down. I get the sense that Disney is worried that somehow this thing is not working the way it's supposed to. And what I would say to them is, look, you put out three movies, Force Awakens, Rogue One, and Last Jedi. With those three movies, receipts from the film. So I'm not talking about merchandise. I'm not talking about home video. Just on the fact of people spending money to go to a film buying a ticket. You have paid for the purchase. And people talk about it. For better or worse, people talk about those movies. People are talking about The Last Jedi still. Case in point, we just talked about it. Yeah. And I mean, (laughs) we're getting further away from it. So this is what I would say to Disney. Everybody calm down. Like they have a new movie coming out in a few weeks with Solo. And the silence is deafening. And we're still talking about The Last Jedi. Yeah. Yeah, I would say... To, again, to kind of close out Star Wars a little, obviously there's been some negativity around Solo. I think we're all kind of curious of, is it as bad as they say? I'm curious to see what, if anything, Ron Howard could do uh, to save it. Um, and I think it would be interesting. I think the story about Solo is not, I think if it stinks, it's kind of a, yep, this is what we expected. The story is, what if it's not? What if it's better? Than people think. I'm not saying, look, folks, is it going to win the Academy Award? No. No matter how great it is. But what, just pretend for me for a moment, what if it isn't as bad as we thought? If it's serviceable, that's a win. Because it's been, the press on this movie has been so bad. It has been so unrelenting bad. The kid that played Han Solo is not very good. They fired Chris Miller and Phil Lord. They, all this stuff... The win for them is it's not as bad as we thought, <laughs> which is hysterical. But what I would say to Disney is, look, guys, chill out. These things are going to be fine. You're going to be fine. Everybody calm down because I don't think it's as bad as you think. Having said all of the things about The Last Jedi, it's like the seventh highest grossing film of all time. I, you know, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> and if you watch Star Wars, the sequels always track film the 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 gross always goes down each film as great as empire was it didn't make as much as a new hope return of the jedi did not make as much as empire so and what's your favorite of the three empire by far i don't even want to talk to people who like return of the jedi is a non-starter for me i'm happy to talk to you about a new hope empire is the best one a pod for another day and if you look at force awakens it made a bajillion dollars Last Jedi came in slightly less. There was pent-up anticipation for The Force Awakens because it was making a return. It was, it was everything that was old is new again. You, th- that feeling can't return twice. So Last Jedi was always going to gross worse than Force Awakens was. Here's my point to you, Disney. It's not as bad as you think. You're in better shape. And how you know, you're not DC. Now, Marvel Universe. Clearly top of the heap. And again, Age of Ultron made a billion dollars. And it wrecked a movie studio. Marvel has clearly never been the same. Now to the final but kingdom. They're still, they're still steamrolling forward. They've yeah, got a whole the, slate ahead of them. As I have now dubbed it, the good ship lollipop. <laughs> Everything's fun, happy times here in Marvel Sunshine, world. rainbows, candy falling from the sky. Marvel Studios. They are 
two weeks away from releasing Avengers Infinity War, what they have described as the culmination of the 10 years of Marvel. So what started in Iron Man 1 10 years ago, May, by the way. That's crazy. I know. Is going to, quote unquote, come to an end in Infinity War. What happens after that is as follows. Ant-Man and the Wasp, your sequel to Ant-Man, comes out in July. July 6th, to be exact. Chronologically, does Ant-Man and the Wasp occur after Infinity War? It certainly occurs after Civil War because it looks like everybody's running. Uh, it's hard to say. I would say it, I, God knows where it fits in the timeline. But it certainly fits after Civil War because it's referenced in the trailer. What would you do if I had asked you to come help Captain America? And she says, well, I guess we'll never know. Yeah. Captain Marvel comes out in March of 2019, starring Brie Larson. What I'm going to call Avengers 4. There is no Avengers 4 title right now, but uh, Avengers 4 comes out next May. Um, at that point in time, the contracts for the following actors are probably over. Robert Downey Jr., Chris Evans, Chris Hemsworth, Scarlett Johansson, Mark Ruffalo, Jeremy Renner. So what does that tell you about what happens in Infinity War? Uh, somebody going to die. Was it Don Henley who once said somebody's going to emergency, somebody's going to jail? Yeah. Yep. Also after that, July of 2019, the untitled uh, Spider-Man Homecoming sequel. So the second in the new Spider-Man series with Tom Holland. And then no release day but years. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 in 2020 what is rumored to be the final James Gunn Guardians of the Galaxy film and probably the final go-round for Chris Pratt, Dave Bautista, Karen Gillan, Zoe Saldana, all those folks. That is the announced Marvel Universe. There is more there. Can I just make a point here? Um, I could see Dave Bautista getting a Drax solo movie. I was about to say that sounds eminently ridiculous, but I just told you there's a sequel to Ant-Man forthcoming. So I guess ridiculous is... In 2018, ridiculous does not mean what I think it means. Not only did they make an Ant-Man, they made a sequel to Ant-Man. Right. Yeah. He's a dude who shrinks to the size of an ant. Yeah, but I mean... Yeah. Drax, destroyer. By the way, even more interesting, Ant-Man is played by Paul Rudd. Who saw that coming? Paul Rudd is a superhero. The man who romanced Alicia Silverstone in Clueless is a superhero. The world in which we occupy. Yeah. Judd Apatow staple, Paul Rudd, is a superhero. If anybody saw that coming, I'd like to meet you because I would like to get some of good luck so I could go win the lottery. Uh, that is what I just gave you there is the announced Marvel timeline. I'll be the first to tell you there is more on that bone. They're just not saying right now. If anybody out there thinks there isn't a sequel to Black Panther, you're kidding. Yeah, absolutely. Now, rumor has it the third act of Infinity War is essentially the backdoor sequel to Captain to, to Black Panther. Because apparently quite a bit of Wakanda is at the end of Infinity War. Really? Yeah. Rumor has it the third act of the film is entirely in Wakanda. Wow. With with Steve Rod with bearded Steve Rogers. Chris Evans, the other Chris. Chris Evans is magical. Chris Evans is a magical creature front of the show he is phenomenal well local boy as well and he probably had the hardest job of anybody in those films to make captain america an interesting character is remarkable maybe hemsworth he has done an excellent job with thor but evans as captain america. and when you see chris evans on social media he is captain america 
he lives it. I don't think it's. I don't think he's living the gimmick. I don't think this is wrestling. I think that's just who Evans is as a human being. He's just a solid individual. He's a great guy. Yeah. I mean, clearly, the vacuum that I don't know how they fill is Robert Downey. Yeah, that's tough. We've all. Isn't it? I think all of us who follow this kind of thing know the end is coming sooner for Rob, for for Downey than. We're closer to the back nine than we are to the front, um, simply because he's in his 50s and his price is prohibitively expensive. <laughs> Again, another sore spot for Marvel Publishing was when Marvel Films decided to do Civil War, they did not want to do Civil War. They being pronouns pal, they being Marvel Publishing, because they did not want to pay Robert Downey. Yet another fracture in why Marvel Publishing and Marvel Films are no longer speaking to each other. How you do Civil War without Iron Man, somebody's going to have to write that to me. That being said, I know that was another reason why the two split off was, was Downey and his contract. And Disney took Kevin Feige's side. Rightfully so. Even, uh, even Civil War Two, I don't know if you've read that. Uh, yeah, Iron Man's in that. It's too. Iron Man. Yeah, it's not accidental. They introduce, uh, I believe her name is Riri. Yes, as another Iron yes, Man, the Iron Person, Iron Heart, I believe. Yes, uh, but that that story revolves around yeah. Tony Stark. Just remember, everyone, for context: before Iron Man one, Marvel was going to cancel Iron Man, the comic book. It's it's. Uh, Buys, its newsstand buys, had dropped to to four digits or five digits, which in comic books is bad. Now, understand, is comic books selling six million copies anymore? No. Nobody is buying X-Men 1, Jim Lee, Todd McFarlane, Spider-Man 1 levels. Nobody's doing those business. But Iron Man was doing so bad that it was about to be canceled before the movie came out. Think about that for a minute. And a lot of those books were in trouble. Captain America, The Avengers, Hulk, Thor. A lot of those books were in danger. Marvel was going to focus on, surprise, surprise, the X-Men and Spider-Man because they were the top IPs. And when the films were announced, people said, no Spider-Man, no X-Men, you're doomed you aren't going to make dollar one. They proved everybody wrong. And Iron Man, you couldn't imagine comic book movies now without Downey. Notice I didn't say Iron Man. I said Downey. Also a magic trick that Robert has pulled off. He's also their gateway into uh, introducing new Marvel characters. He's yeah. in Homecoming, yeah. Spider-Man Homecoming. He was in The Incredible Hulk with Ed Norton. Which we're now magically supposed to figure about. Supposed to forget about that movie because Mark Ruffalo is the Hulk, a much better choice. Do you think one of those um, upcoming Marvel films is X Men? No, I don't. They don't own X Men yet. I think Kevin Feige's being shady, but not intentionally so. The Fox deal is not done. It's going to be months before that deal gets done. They, there's nothing they can do. Everybody's kind of in limbo. Fox has to go about their merry way, and so does Disney. And then once that deal is done, then they can kind of mess around. Um, 
I, I just, I think that's one of those, they'll cross that particular bridge when they come to it. I think, again, because it all lines up for Marvel, they have this, you know, we're two weeks out, none of us know anything. Certainly Sean and I don't. Uh, I'm going on opening weekend Saturday with my dad, with my wife, and my brother-in-law. I'm very excited. I got my tickets the day they came out. Um, I'll catch up with you in a year and a half. Yeah, you will. You'll catch up with me at Christmas time. I don't know what's going to happen. I've kept myself these last couple years spoiler free. I had no idea what was going to happen in Force Awakens, although I had guessed that Harrison Ford was probably going to die, simply because he spent the last 20 years telling people how much he wanted to. So I figured eventually somebody would take him up on the offer. Uh, I did not know what was going to happen in Last Jedi. I kept myself spoiler free and I was happy. I had no idea what Black Panther was going to be, and I do want to talk about Black Panther in a minute. I have no idea what Avengers Infinity War is going to be. I know what everybody knows, which is I've seen the trailers. It seems like Wakanda shows up as it should. It seems like it's kind of uh, a come together. The Beatles are getting together, which is what it should be when you have 75 people slammed around in this thing. Um, I'll be interested to see tonally how it all comes together because there are different... Guardians of the Galaxy is a much different tone than Spider-Man, than the MCU proper you know, the cap Avengers films. Clearly some people are not going to make it out of this film. Probably. I think that likelihood is high. Chances are. Yeah. I think the likelihood is one of those people I mentioned whose contract is up or coming close. So the Chris's Emsworth and heavens, Downey, Scarjo, Ruffalo, Renner, those folks, the folks who seem to be sticking around Cumberbatch, apparently at some point will be more Doctor Strange. The Guardians, at least for one more movie. Um, Spider-Man. Black Panther. And all of the happy residents of Wakanda. The future of the MCU. Uh, yeah. That's what you're naming. Those, That's those what it is right that now. Carry us forward. Brie Larson as Captain Marvel. There is probably more to this... They have been very cagey about what their future is. Kevin Feige's feeling is, I have six movies in production. Those six movies I just named. They're in various states of production. Obviously, Infinity War is two weeks away. Uh, Avengers is a year away. They filmed them back to back so they could get everybody's filming in because of schedules. Uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp is done-ish. It's coming out in July. And they're working on Captain Marvel physically right now. They're still kind of shooting through what Spider-Man is going to look like and James Gunn is working on Guardians 3. But after that, I don't know what happens. I'm, again, my assumption is more Doctor Strange, more Black Panther. Clearly more Black Panther. I, Black Panther to me is the most unbelievable story of 2018, entertainment-wise. Infinity Wars box office gross may outdo it because I think the number in Infinity War is going to be so friggin' huge that we're all going to spit take opening weekend. But to me, the story of 2018 so far, entertainment-wise, positively, there's a lot negative out there. Positively, and in the most delightful, positive way, has been Black Panther. Uh, I don't know anyone who's seen it who doesn't like it. Now, there's varying stages of like or dis uh, of like. Some people are more in love with it than others, but nobody has given it a bad review that I've seen. No one. Uh, 
and I don't mean just online movie. I mean, people in my life who've seen it. Sean clearly hasn't. Spoiler. No, I have not. I will tell you, I loved it. I can't wait um, to see it. Yeah. But I'm going to. At Thanksgiving when it's on the discount bin at Target in your cornflakes aisle. That's 100%. That's going to happen. Yeah. Can't wait to watch it over yeah. the winter break. I know what you people are all saying. You smell money with this podcast. I agree with you too. It's more like Jeff goes to the movies and Sean goes, gee, what happens? But don't tell me because <laughs> pretty much in yeah. five months I can get this discounted. But I mean, I loved it. I loved Black Panther. I loved it so much that I would tell you that I had to rewrite my top five Marvel movies because of it. What are your top five Marvel movies? Great question, Sean. That's what we call a big market tease. Uh, top five Marvel movies in no particular order. Black Panther, Captain America Civil War, the first Avengers film. So sorry, Joss Whedon not Age of Ultron. It wrecked a franchise. It wrecked a studio. Nobody's ever been the same. I know. So Panther, so, uh, Winter Soldier, First Avengers, First Guardians of the Galaxy, and Iron Man 1. I can't disagree with any of that except for the fact that I haven't seen Black Panther yet. Yeah. I would say coming in close behind Guardians of the Galaxy 2, which was fantastic. I haven't seen it. The last third of Guardians of the Galaxy is one of the more moving film experiences I've ever seen. I loved Doctor Strange, but as Sean and I have discussed, I read Doctor Strange as a kid. So I love Doctor Strange. So I'm willing to put Doctor Strange in my bottom five with Guardians 2. Because I love Doctor Strange. I know you haven't seen it. I'm sure it's on sale, though. Go find it at Target in the corner. I think it's still on Netflix. It very well might be. For a short period of time until Disney takes it away. And they, yeah. Who knows? Uh, we don't know. Uh, I would say also at the bottom there would be Captain America 1, the first Avenger. I liked Captain America 1 quite a bit. Um, and then, yeah. So where do we go with the last two slots in this top 10 Marvel films? It's been the story of this pod. I actually don't hate Age of Ultron. I understood what Age of Ultron was trying to do. It didn't do it. But I understood, so I'll, I'll put Age of Ultron there, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna put Civil War there. I really like Civil War. I think one of the problems with Age of Ultron is that it leaves a lot of context out of the picture. You have to be an avid watcher of Agents of Shield, and all this other crap. <laughs> Boy, howdy! Uh, if you are more power to you, you went into Age of Ultron really getting it. Yeah. Um, but I think for. Uh, I tried watching Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I've got maybe three, two and a half seasons in. Yeah. I liked uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. for a little while, but then it just got away from me and I don't miss it. What's his name is actually coming back to the MCU. Did you hear that? Um, Coulson. Coulson. Yeah, he's going to be in Captain Marvel. It's going to be in Captain Marvel. Uh, yeah, I think it would be great for Coulson. I think stylistically what I'm told Captain Marvel is going to be, which is kind of a, a, a back in time. It's going to be set at a different time frame. I think the set photos put it somewhere in the 90s. I believe you're correct. So a young-ish Nick Fury and a Coulson work for me. I would also argue that um, uh, one of the things I could never rectify with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is that Coulson is alive and none of the Avengers have figured it out. Just to remind everyone, Tony Stark at least once has hacked S.H.I.E.L.D.'s records. With a minimum of fuss. If you watch Avengers 1, he throws a device onto a computer and in 20 minutes gets the entire S.H.I.E.L.D. files. So the notion that it can't be done is ludicrous. Um, I understand why they killed Coulson. They, Whedon felt it, they needed some reason to come together. Fine. But 
it's the whole thing is ridiculous and the show is fine but it it is what it is i, I miss colson from the mcu and I, I i'd love to see clark Gregg back beyond captain marvel but that's a personal opinion i could give a crap about the tv show i, I really Sorry. could yeah I, i'm I, with you he's a movie he's part of the movie franchise he's a he's a he's part of the movie franchise um i'll tell you my biggest problem with age of ultron is it's a lot of setup for films that are down the road you know thor takes his little infinity jacuzzi for no reason um by the way the infinity stones are teased in ultron because clearly what's in loki's scepter is the infinity stone what ends up in vision's head is the infinity stone but all of a sudden thor decides something is completely wrong in the universe because tony stark built a mad robot that was always interesting to me. That never worked for me. Uh, one of the things I mm. loved, but have now that I'm further away from it, think it's ridiculous. The whole Hawkeye has a secret family. Yeah, what's the deal with that? I love Jeremy Renner as much as the next person. Uh, and I, like a lot of people, Hawkeye got the short shrift in Avengers. I would argue, again, looking back on first Avengers, folks, somebody has to. There's only so much room. And... Y- logically if you're thinking of this logically forget about your love of hawkeye or your desire to be controversial why would you give robert downey less screen time and give jeremy renner more discuss it just seems like a a, a storyline they're just grasping for they want to make hawkeye relevant you yeah. use the phrase love of hawkeye which i don't think i've ever heard before ever. Uh, there's a i think there's a legit hawkeye love out there um i think there's a jeremy renner love and i think there's well he's a handsome man he sure is, and I think... And, and, and uh, a fine actor, if you've ever seen Hurt Locker. Fantastic film. That is a great movie. Yeah. yeah, he's tremendous in Hurt Locker. He really is. Along with The Falcon, I think what's hysterical in that film is by his side is Anthony Mackie, who is The Falcon, who is, by the way, one of the unsung heroes of the last three years of the Marvel Universe. Anthony Mackie is a delight. After Infinity War, you think he takes over as Captain America? Do you oh, think that's possible? Man. I mean, I yes, it's possible, but... I think Do you think that works? Possible. Yes, because of the Black Panther tease that you haven't seen, and I'm not going to spoil for you. Ah, uh, see that? I don't even have to see these. Movies. Originally, I would have. Th- I thought Bucky would do it because it. Sure. But I've now changed my tune, and I think Sam Wilson should, and I think Bucky should go off and do what it seems like they're teasing to do, which is be part of Wakanda. I'm uh, on board with that for an, uh, another Black Panther story for another day. Um, I think the genius of Marvel, as we try to bring this thing in for a landing, the genius of Marvel is casting. I think that's ninety percent of their battle. Downey, Evans, Hemsworth, Ruffalo, ScarJo, Elizabeth Olsen, uh, all fantastic Paul casting. Rudd, Benedict Cumberbatch, Chris Pratt, Dave Bautista, Karen Gillan, Zoe Saldana. Dear God. Bradley Cooper, Vin Diesel, who got paid to say, I am Groot. And I th- I'm sure I've missed somebody, you know, Evangeline Lilly, um, all these great Chadwick Boseman, who, if you have seen Black Panther, Chadwick Boseman, folks, is a revelation. If you've seen the Jackie Robinson movie, if you've seen 42, if you've seen his dynamite portrayal of James Brown in the James Brown documentary pick, uh, uh, biopic, I should say, Chadwick Boseman is a hell of an actor who's got a dynamite career ahead of him. Uh, Michael B. Jordan, who I don't think Sean and I can talk about enough. Michael B. Jordan is 
He's an evolution in everything he's in. Michael B. Jordan is fantastic. Newsflash. Um, Marvel's success has been casting. They have cast the right people. They are a genre where I think director is slightly less important, but they've had luck with key directors. I think getting John Favreau at the beginning was a great masterstroke. Clearly, Ryan Coogler for Black Panther um, is an unbelievable stroke of genius. I hope Ryan Coogler signs a lifetime contract to do as many Black Panther films as possible. Ryan Coogler is a bad, bad man. And I say that in a nice, a, a nice way possible. Ryan Coogler is a bad man. That is a, that is a director who's going to do anything and everything. And again, scalding hot take right now. Ryan Coogler, write that name down. In 20 years, he's gonna, what he's going to do in the next 10 to 20 years is going to be fantastic. Um, I think ultimately, actually, as far as directors go with Marvel, probably the biggest stroke of luck is that two guys who directed Arrested Development and Community got handed Civil War, made a dynamite movie, and then took over the Avengers franchise from Joss Whedon. If, think about it. The Russo brothers directed Arrested Development and Community. They, I mean, if, if they have no else, action directing experience at all, zero before, have, before Winter Soldier. Marvel has not only gotten all of your big names into their movies, they've gotten people that you wouldn't expect. Case in point. Peyton Reed, who directed Ant-Man. Ant-Man. Romantic comedy. Paul Rudd. It always comes back to Paul Rudd about Ant-Man, doesn't it? It because just seems one, like... It's the most unexpected movie that I never thought would ever get made. Yeah, Ant-Man. And then... Uh, a, an actor who I love, but would never expect to be in a Marvel movie. Yeah, all those things to be true. And it worked. Yeah. Ant-Man was terrific. It was an excellent film. Uh, but they've been real lucky with directors at the right moment. Getting Joss Whedon for Avengers 1 was a coup. He was the right, absolute right guy for that movie. Whatever happened, what has happened since, it is what it is, man. But Avengers 1 was fantastic. And... Folks, remember back to 2011, 2012, all of us were like, is this really going to work? All these people on screen at once, is this really what we want? Yes. Spoiler alert. Yes, Watch it is going to Watch that movie again work. towards the end yeah. when they're all on the street in New York and the camera circles around for the money shot where they're all together in their Avengers pose. Tell me. Goosebumps. Tell me in the theater how you felt. I'll tell you. I was giddy. The eight-year-old in me was giddy. Because I've seen that shot a hundred times in comics, and it's live and in color and in a, a smart, intelligent, big-budget way. That was everything I wanted it to be. So kudos to Joss Whedon for that. I know we've kind of knocked Joss Whedon a little on this podcast, and we've taken some shots at Age of Ultron, but he made Avengers 1, which was a, a phenomenal film. But I think directors have been less important, but they've gotten the right James Gunn has done a fantastic job with Guardians of the Galaxy. Absolutely. Come on, folks, be honest. Who read Guardians of the Galaxy out there? Show of hands. Right. I so, still don't read Guardians of the Galaxy. Neither do I. <laughs> but James Gunn was 100% the right guy for that film. His outlook, the way he saw it, the way he shot it, it was fantastic. I remember thinking when I saw Guardians 1, geez, Star Wars is going to have a real tough act to fall. Because Guardians was such a good science fiction space adventure. Yeah. Um, then I thought, well, Force Awakens, they're going to have to work for it. They did. JJ did fine. But yeah. It turns out nostalgia is a pretty strong factor. Nostalgia is very strong. Also, here's another great Marvel story. 
the sixth lead on Parks and Recreation is now a big giant movie star. The fat oafish idiot, which if you watch the first couple seasons, well, if you watch the basically the run of Parks and Recreation, that is what Chris Pratt is on that show. He is the oafish amiable dunce. He is now one of the biggest movie stars on the planet. He is in Avengers Infinity War and Jurassic World 2. Chris Pratt is a movie star. Side by side with, that a, sink in. with a talking raccoon. Played by an Academy Award nominated actor, Bradley Cooper. is one of the great actors of our generation. Bradley Cooper, great friend of the show. Think about Dave Batista. It's WrestleMania weekend, Sean. We love wrestling. We love the WWE, you and I. Did you ever think Dave Batista would be a movie star? No. Guess what, Sean? Dave Batista is a movie star. Have you, you haven't seen Blade Runner 2049? Go get it in, at yeah. Thanksgiving when it comes out. I will. Cheap for Black Friday. Dave Batista is at the beginning of the film, him and Ryan Gosling. Fantastic. Dave Batista is a movie star. If Marvel didn't get Dave Batista, and I say, like, I say that like it was like he's a hard to get guy, but if Marvel didn't get Dave Batista, who would be Drax? John Cena. Really? John Cena? Sure. Hmm. You notice I didn't even miss a beat. Who is also putting himself in more movies. He's got a new one coming out. Blockers. Yes. I, which I will not see. I will not see it. Yeah, I don't, I don't. I will not buy it even. No. Sorry, John. Yeah, sorry, John. Sorry, sorry Leslie Mann. But nope. Not for me. Uh, but that's Marvel. All the stuff we're talking about here. A professional wrestler. Uh, the sixth lead from the left in Parks and Rec. All of these things are the success that DC could not find. Casting. Would it surprise you to know that one of the reasons Ben Affleck was chosen to be Batman was they wanted him to be Robert Downey for the DC universe? No. Didn't surprise me either. Didn't really work out that way. No, it did as, not. As he is looking for every door he can find to get out of Batman. Which is unfortunate because he is one of my, I love him as Batman. So do I. He also may be the only person other than Val Kilmer who is actively looking to get out of the Batman franchise. Yeah. Well, now, you know what? That's not entirely true. That seems to be the drill with Batman. People want to leave. Keaton wanted out after two, although if they had agreed to his demands for three, he'd have done Batman forever. It would have been a different film. Kilmer's out after one. George Clooney, to this day, it haunts him. As much success he as has, George Clooney He has said. good spirits about it, He's good-natured, and he I would knows tell jo what he did. George Clooney, great friend of the show. Great friend of the show. Uh, that movie is not your fault. Script, kids. Script is key. Um, and then Christian Bale was actively looking to get out of Batman. So it seems like it's the thing. I think it's the suit. I think really? the suit think creates the suit is... a lot of discomfort. Yeah. Hmm. I think it's come a long way, but I think it's still the most uncomfortable... Ben Affleck will tell you all the advice he got from people who play Batman was the suit. Make it comfortable. I think there's something about being in that suit that makes people miserable. It makes you not want to return. You want to be able to turn your head. Yes, Morgan Freeman. I want to be able to turn my head. That was another reason I like the modern DCU telling of Batman. It seems like the, the suit is closer to the... the we've, we've moved closer to the comic book. It's less that stupid bulky black armor that's in every movie. Um, one of the things I liked about Dawn of Justice was, um, and, and, and when, when we say things I liked about Dawn of Justice, single digits, folks, uh, the Batman costume is high on the list. Affleck's performance is high on that list, too. 
But yeah, they wanted him to be Downey. Didn't really work out. He's now looking for the exit. And you're going to be replaced by Jake Gyllenhaal, who's been the superhero backup for I don't know how long. If Tobey Maguire couldn't do Spider-Man anymore, they were going to hire Jake Gyllenhaal. <laughs> I'm not making this up. Jake Gyllenhaal, almost superhero. Yeah, he's been the superhero in waiting. Always a bridesmaid, never a bride. He's Jake the Gyllenhaal. Prince Harry of superhero films. The heir and the spare. He's never been the heir. He's been the spare. Jake Gyllenhaal, friend of the show. Is he? I got nothing wrong. He's yeah. your friend. He's not mine. Oh, okay. Not a fan of Jake Gyllenhaal. Not a fan of Jake Gyllenhaal? No. no. So I was a big fan of... Uh, Doesn't work for me. I was a big fan of Donnie Darko when I was, when I was younger. Of course you were. It's right up my alley. Yeah. Dark, twisted, time travel... Horrible. I'm in. Boring. Mind-numbingly stupid. Yeah, well. Unable to follow. Yeah, we can follow it. We've now turned into Siskel and Ebert. This is awesome. That's my dream in life. The movie review pod. So, I think we would say the three houses. DC is a unique fixer-upper opportunity. I would say Star Wars, dude, you're doing fine. Your galaxy is as bright as you want it to be. And Marvel, the good ship lollipop, someday it's not going to work for you. I don't know when that is. I'm not sure I want to be alive for that because I think my belief in all things good will end. But they're going to be in it. I mean, it has to end eventually. They're going to be in it. They're going to have. But here's the other thing I would say is God knows what they have planned. <laughs> so until those announcements come, this well, is just pure speculation. Again, Marvel plays chess. Yes. So I would say. That's where we are with the three houses. How do you feel about that? That's pretty, yeah, that's pretty solid. You want to hit them with our social media and then we'll say adios till next time? Yeah. If you want to uh, connect with any of us, um, you know, shoot us an email, wantedbynunshow at gmail.com. You can follow us and let us know your thoughts on anything we talked about, uh, wantedbynunpod on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram if they ever. Uh, decide to allow us to have an Instagram. We are so not wanted that Instagram told us we violated their terms of service simply by signing up for their service. Let that sink in, folks. Instagram, not friends of the show. No, not at all. No, 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 no. We are displeased with Instagram. Instagram, if you're listening, just tell us what we did. We're really sorry. We'll, we want to come back. We, we have the boot. We'll, we'll say anything you. We're John Cusack. We're outside. We got Peter Gabriel. We got it all. Just let us back in. What did we do? What could we have done? What could Sean have done by simply signing up for the service through a Facebook account, d- which yeah. is what you're supposed to do? Come on. I apparently uh, violated the terms and conditions of Instagram. How you by, did that, I don't know. By signing up for an Instagram yeah. account. But we would love to hear feedback on this. We'd love to hear what you want to hear down the road. Uh, I think the old clock on the wall, Sean, tells me we got to get moving on down that road. But we will see you all next time on Wanted by by None. None.